reaching Israel and the world. Shalom, beloved ones. Peace and blessings to you today. We've got a special show for you. We're celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, and we're going to take you inside a sukkah. A sukkah is a temporary dwelling place that Jewish people all over the globe build during the special season. And honey, we're going to be teaching about some of the principles of Sukkot today. Did you know that Sukkot is also called the Feast of Ingathering? Yeah, yeah, the Feast of Ingathering where, where God brings all His people in and under that sukkah is a real celebration, a time of celebration. And we really want to celebrate all those out there that have been partnering with you and I in discovering the Jewish Jesus, the whole team, everybody out there is playing a part in gathering in all of Father's people, all of Yeshua's people, that the kingdom of God is being built through the ministry. And so we want to just shout out and say thank you so much for being a part of this, for making it happen with us. It, it couldn't happen without you. And, and it's, a, it's a time to celebrate, you know, a real time to celebrate that together we're doing this thing. It's a time, really, beloved ones, to also think about the things that God has done in our life that we should be thankful to Him for and grateful for, because sometimes we can forget. So let's say thank you, Father God, today for all you've done for me. I worship you during this Feast of Tabernacles. Shalom Racha, peace and blessings. Welcome today for the second part of my message on the Feast of Tabernacles, or in Hebrew we call it Sukkot. Now on last week's message, I talked about the fact that the Lord of Israel, Yahweh, has commanded us, the Jewish people, to build every single year one of these temporary structures on our property called a sukkah. It's to remind us that when the Israelites, when we as people were in the wilderness for 40 years during the time that the Lord delivered us from Egypt, what was still bringing us into the promised land, that 40-year journey, we were living in the wilderness with nothing but God living in these temporary structures. And I simply made the application last time that every year when we build ourselves a sukkah, and we sit in it like we're doing today. We're reminded as we look through the roof and we can see the stars at night that all we really have in the world is God. Even as Israel had nothing in the world during those 40 years in the wilderness but Hashem, but God, He was enough. He provided for them manna every day, six days a week for 40 years. He caused water to supernaturally come out of a rock. He sent the quail to feed them later every day. God took care of them. And the application that I made on last time's broadcast was this, and it's very powerful. Don't let it go over your head. If you lost everything, you would still be okay because you would still have God and He would cover you and take care of all your needs just like He did Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. It's an important truth that can really bring freedom into your life. Sometimes we think it all depends on us. Yeah. We yeah. think if we don't keep it going, yeah. it's all gonna fall apart. Yeah. But the truth is, beloved, 
even if everything around us fell apart, we would still have God and having him would be enough, we'd be okay. And so I covered that last time. I want to move on now to new ground. As we're in the book of Leviticus, we call in Hebrew, Vayikra, chapter 23. I want to read verse number 40 for you once again. It says, now on the first day, this is the first day of, of Sukkot. Now on the first day, you shall take for yourselves the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches and boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. So the children of Israel were commanded to take the species of different uh, agricultural products from the land that represented the beauty and the bounty of the Lord. And this is called the lulav, the willow, the palm, the etrog. And we wave it before the Lord like this in all directions, up and down, up and down. Thanking God, representing that everything that we have comes from Him. Every good gift that we have, the loved ones in our life, the food on our table, the roof over our head, whatever health we have, every provision that we have in life has come to us as a gift from God. And so during the Feast of Tabernacles, during the Feast of Sukkot, we wave the lulav, once again, representing the beauty and the bounty of the Lord that comes into our life. We wave it in recognition and in honor of the fact that every good gift that we've enjoyed in our life has been a gift from Hashem. I mean, think about it, Jennifer, even the breath that you're gonna take right now. Isn't every breath that we take really a gift from God? Absolutely. I mean, really, we didn't do anything to create ourselves, right? I mean, the beauty that we experience just being with each other, looking at these beautiful people today that I'm surrounded with, the love that we enjoy, the friendship, you know, that we've established. Where does friendship come from? You know, where does love come from? It's all a gift from from God. And so the Lord said that during this particular time of year, we should remember that and not take it for granted. So many people today, you know, they're willing to, 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 to enjoy, for example, the, the beautiful nature that even we're surrounded in now, but they don't give God credit for creating it. Mm. You know, it's just like, oh, aren't those mountains beautiful? Oh, I don't believe in God, but I love those mountains. Mm. Oh, I don't believe in God, but aren't those birds beautiful? It's like that's the, the, the spiritual mindset that's seeping over the earth right now. But we're a called out people, amen? Yes. We say, God, thank you for the beauty. You yes. created it. Thank you for my loved ones. Thank you for whatever's good in my life. So this is a time to rejoice. And actually, uh, Ryan, I love what, what this verse says here. We sometimes don't realize that it says in verse 40, you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. And do you know, at another place in the Torah, the Lord actually brought a curse, a penalty upon his people because they didn't rejoice before him when he was doing good things. And he said, because you didn't rejoice and weren't grateful to me when I blessed you, now I'm gonna send a curse upon you to teach you gratitude. So it's important to consider. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but for myself sometimes, you know, just being flesh and, you know, being corrupt, I have to sometimes snap myself out of it. Like, you know, my wife, Cynthia, has to tell me a lot of times, you are a blessed man. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I have to say, yes, you are right. Because God could take all this away any yeah. second. Yeah. You know, and it's so easy to think about the glass being, you know, half, half empty. Well, anything anyone would like to add today? Reassuring that he wants us to be happy and he wants us to rejoice and, yeah. and be thankful for him and reminds us of that. That's a really good point. That's a really powerful point. You know, and when you're saying that, Ryan, it, it makes me think about the war that we're in. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying, just knowing that God wants us to be happy, yeah. He wants us to rejoice, and recognizing, you know, we're up against darkness yeah. that doesn't want us to be happy and doesn't want, and we have to make that choice to get an agreement. Amen. It's a good yeah. point. It's interesting how um, He ties rejoicing with reminding what He's done in our lives mm -hmm. for what he wants to do going forward and so connecting with the fact that our rejoicing reminds us of all the victories that he's brought us through preparing us for whatever we have to go through beyond that point good point because this feast yeah. is a celebration of the fall harvest it was the last great harvest in israel for the year before winter came because this is the this is the fall feast in the last one but part of the celebration of this feast takes place on the last day of it. It's actually written about in the Gospel of John chapter 7. It was called the Great Day of the Feast, and there's a special ceremony that took place in this day called Hoshana Rabbah, which was a water-pouring ceremony. And what happened was that everyone would gather together at the temple, and there'd be a big processional of the priest, and they'd be singing and dancing. They would walk from the temple down to the pool of Siloam. And then when they got to the pool of Siloam, the priest would take a pitcher, he would dip it into the, into, into the waters of Siloam, and then they would begin to walk back to the temple. And everybody would be singing and praising and dancing. We have all types of historical records of this. In fact, the, the ecstasy of the celebration and the rejoicing was so intense that we have writings of rabbis doing cartwheels and praising God while they were standing on their head. And the question is, well, why? You know, what was going on? And the reason is, on this last day of Sukkot, when they took that water from Siloam to the temple, they would then, when they got to the temple, at the height of the rejoicing and the praise, the priest would then pour the water on the altar at the temple and that's when the, when the praise would reach its crescendo. And the reason is that that water that was being poured out on the altar at the temple, it represented the rain that Israel was expecting God to bless them with in the coming winter months so that that would in turn give them a great new harvest in the spring. So it was rejoicing for what the Lord had already done but it was also a confidence in what Hashem was going to do for them in the future. There was an expectation yeah. of future blessing. And by the way, it also represented the confidence they had that the Lord was going to be sending Messiah. Mm. And that when Messiah came, water would be poured out, spiritual water on the people. Of course, we know that Yeshua was right there in the midst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, Yeshua cried out in John 7, if any man is thirsty, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, as the water is being poured out, he says, if any man's thirsty, Come to me and drink, and rivers of living water will spring forth from your innermost being. So it's important. I mean, it's good to just 
talk about this together because we're in a battle. Yeah. I mean, with, with everything that people are facing in the world right now and the ugliness in society that we're yeah. seeing right now, just a lot of divisiveness that we've experienced and, and so on and so forth, we need to remind ourselves that yeah. God's a good God. Amen. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to rejoice. And so I want to thank you, Lord, that these feasts that we celebrate every year, they bring us back into spiritual alignment. You see, these feasts, these holy days of the Lord, these seven holy days, plus the Sabbath, it's like an opportunity for a spiritual tune-up. It's like your car eventually, you know, it starts, so the timing starts getting off. So it needs to be readjusted. So celebrating these holy days is an opportunity for us to say, yes, thank you, Lord, for my salvation on Yom Kippur, that my sins are forgiven. We say that this is what we want, but let me ask a question. Does your lifestyle line up with the fact that your goal in life is union with God? Соответствует ли ваша жизнь тому, что ваша цель в жизни это единство с Господом? Let's examine our lives for a second. How many of you will not watch anything on television that offends God? Не будет смотреть то, что оскорбляет Тем, что пригвоздило Иисуса are going after God. If unity with Him is really your goal, we've got to get serious about it. Now maybe there's some that are here this afternoon. You're feeling a purifying fire and God's got a gift for you. I want you to lift your hands with me. Receive a gift from the Lord this afternoon for you. He's creating in you a clean heart. Is the teaching of Rabbi Schneider a blessing in your life? If you said yes, consider becoming one of Rabbi's monthly partners and help send him around the world spreading salvation, healing, and deliverance through on-the-ground outreaches and our worldwide television ministry. Visit rabbipartners.com or call 800-777-7835. To thank you, Rabbi would like to send you three very special partner-only DVDs, an intimate view of Rabbi's life and journey, the amazing life story of Cynthia Schneider, and a behind-the-scenes look as Rabbi travels around the world. Begin your monthly partnership today and be a part of what God is doing through discovering the Jewish Jesus. Well, listen, before we run out of time, beloved ones, let's get into some specific applications from the Feast of Tabernacles for your life and my life, for our life today. Number one, the Feast of Tabernacles teaches us to walk in an attitude of dependency. Because when you think about it, Jennifer, every single day, six days a week, the children of Israel had to rely on the Lord for new manna. What happened if they tried to hang on to yesterday's manna? It rotted. It, rotted. it, got, it became foul. It only lasted for a day. So every day they were dependent. Every single day it had to be a new thing. And so 
I think about this concept of, of clinging to God, how important it is to cling to God, of being dependent, of trusting Him. And without that, that attitude of dependency, there's, like, there's not an open door in our, in our soul for Him to move through. You know, I think about Moses and how Moses, when the Lord said, I want you to deliver my people from Egypt. And, uh, and, and Moses said, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. Mm-hmm. Now, I, 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 that's kind of how I feel in my life. It's kind of like, Lord, yeah. if you're not going to be with me today, yeah. kill me now. <laughs> because I, 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 I know that without you, I'm just a victim. Yeah. I'm just like out here, you know, a target for the enemy. Yeah. So we live in this concept of, of dependency on the Lord every day. Yeah for our provision, for our health, for our safety, for our protection. Mm-hmm. Now this guy right here, he's really dependent right now because he's got another little one coming into oh, his, his home in a few days here. So he's like, he's walking in fear and trembling and dependency <laughs> with, the, with all the extra juggling of the blessing that the little one's gonna bring. But uh, we are walking in dependency, amen? amen? All right, let's go to the next one. I love this concept that one of the things that Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles teaches us is that we need to cultivate a mindset where the unseen realm becomes more real to us than the seen realm. Because the children of Israel, they were relying on an unseen God. You know, everything that they were receiving was coming from this unseen God. And yet he was more real to them than everything else. Now I think about, you know, application. And we've all heard, because I know all you here, you know, are taught in the word. How many times have we been taught that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the unseen, invisible forces of spiritual wickedness, right? We're taught that. That our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the the realm of the material world. It's against an unseen force of wickedness. But if I look at my own life, I have to consider myself a big failure many times because I look at situations and I think my problem is the circumstance and I'm dealing with flesh and blood in my thinking rather than recognizing my problem is not the circumstance. It's not in what I see. My problem is in the unseen realm of my thought, which comes from the realm of the spirit. So to be able to make that shift to recognize that our real battle and what's real in life is not what's visible. What's really going on is what's invisible. And you know, it's not going to be long. I'm 62 years old. I'm going to be off this planet. I mean, it's going to be like, what happened to that guy? He's gone. He's here today, gone tomorrow. You know, it's like all this that we thought was real. I mean, uh, there's so many people, you know, the older we get, the people are here today like a vapor in the wind. They're, they're gone. All these people have come and gone. It's not what's visible that's real. It's what's invisible that's real. And that's what we need to be living for. Any thoughts on that before we move on to our next point today? Yeah, I was thinking the, um, the struggle, oftentimes I'm reminded of that even we have in our flesh, um, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not even wrestling against us when we fail or when we sin. Or, uh, oftentimes we think it's just us, but we're being fought by forces and powers that we can't see. And so uh, that verse of scripture often I'm reminded 
I'm not wrestling against me. I'm wrestling against forces of darkness. So. Yeah. And I'm thinking, Brandon, as you're saying that, even, even the consequences of sin and, and how we sometimes deal with those consequences. And once again, it gets back to the unseen realm and the fact that we process things wrong. Because the truth is we know that the Bible says if we sin, I'm not talking about people that lead a lifestyle of willfully sinning and are not caring about God. I'm talking about people that love God and are striving, but still they fall and fail at times in their quest for perfection. In their journey to perfection, we still fall and fail and stumble at times. And sometimes what happens is, rather than believing that Jesus still loves us, that we're forgiven, instead we get all this self-accusation, yeah. yeah. this shame, exactly. this self-condemnation, yeah. and we think it's coming from our own mind, yeah. And it's really, it's just a plot of the enemy. So yeah, so Sukkot teaches us that we need to be recognizing that the real battle is in the unseen realm. You know, it's another great principle about Sukkot that I think you guys will love is that it really equals and levels the playing field for humanity. You know, in, in, in the wilderness, you didn't have some Israelites living in mansions and other Israelites, you know, living in, in, in flimsy, you know, tents with holes through their roof. They all lived in the same kind of structures. Everybody was equal. You know, they all ate the same food. They all had the same manna. They all had the same quail. And it really shows us that before the Lord, we're all just human beings. And we're all the same. And we need to respect all humanity. And... Sukkot really teaches us this. It just like it, it equals the, 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 the playing field. In fact, one of the keys of Judaism is to never hate a fellow Jew. It is built into Jewish identity. Even though we know that still there's a lot of arguing amongst the Jewish people, there always has been. But the teaching is that the actual temple was destroyed because there was, um, there was senseless hatred, Jew versus Jew. This is what part of rabbinic teaching. And uh, so, so, so during Sukkot, Jewish people really strive to cultivate this attitude of love for each other, love for the Jewish people, love for fellow Jews, and even to entertain strangers. That you, it's, it's a custom during Sukkot to invite a stranger into your sukkah and have a meal with them. And so I kind of love that concept, just brotherhood and humanity and, and loving each other and, and respecting people regardless of their position in life. Uh, and lastly today, as I close, I'd like to bring up one more uh, principle here. And that is, is that the Feast of Tabernacles cultivates an end times mindset. Because as I was indicating on the last day of the Feast of Sukkot, the priest would take water from the Pool of Siloam and pour it on the altar at the temple. And everybody would just go ecstatic in their praise to the Lord. And one of the reasons for that is because the water being poured on the altar symbolized the water that would be poured out upon the earth by the Spirit when Messiah came. And so today we recognize that uh, the Feast of Tabernacles carries with it a mindset of Messiah's coming. And in fact, in the book of Zechariah, the Bible tells us that during the Millennial Kingdom, Jew and Gentile alike will worship the God of Israel and the Father of Yeshua together during the Feast of Tabernacles. This is Rabbi Schneider, along with my friends to today, saying Chag Sameach, Happy Holidays, and I love you.
The Feast of Tabernacles climaxes the fall holy days. It's a feast of ingathering, it's a feast of celebration, it's a feast of being thankful. It took place originally in a very agricultural society, and it was the last of the fall harvest that Israel was celebrating before the Lord and thanking Him for. It was so important that the Lord commanded every Israelite to come to Jerusalem and to present Him a special offering of thanksgiving. So I want to encourage us today as God's children, Jew and Gentile alike, let's practice being thankful during this time of year. Let's practice an attitude of gratitude and let's honor the Lord by giving Him something back because of all that He's given to us. He's looking for that divine exchange, beloved. He gives to us, we give to Him, He gives to us, and it's a circle that just keeps on going. So I wanna to say to you today, Hag Sameach to you, happy holiday, and I hope that you experience something very special in your relationship with Hashem. Send your special Feast of Tabernacles offering to Discovering the Jewish Jesus P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. Visit DiscoveringTheJewishJesus.com, call 1-800-777-7835, or text the keyword RABBI to 45777. To show our appreciation, we'll send you an audio CD and download of Rabbi's Message of the Month and our most recent newsletter. Your gift is bringing salvation, healing, and deliverance to Israel and the world through television, internet, and crusade outreaches. Finally, many of us have been faithful to the Lord with our finances while living. For those of you who like to remember the Lord in your finances when you go to heaven, click Will and Estate Gifts at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. I'm on the Mount of Olives, and I want to close the broadcast today by speaking the blessing that Father God said should be spoken over his people. In the book of Numbers, chapter 6, the Lord told Moses and Aaron, Speak these words over my people, and I will place my name upon them and bless them. Yahweh, 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 Vihunecha Yisa Yahweh Penavelecha Veasem Lecha May Father God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord your Father lift you up by his countenance. And Father God is going to continue, his beloved child, to give you his peace. Revelation today for a brighter tomorrow. Find Discovering the Jewish Jesus on all your favorite social media outlets and stay up to date on the content you love. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. Connecting with Discovering the Jewish Jesus has never been easier. If two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. 
Let our prayer team pray for you. Send us your prayer request today by visiting our website or writing to the address on the screen. Our prayer team lifts up every individual request before the Lord. And then, as God answers your prayer request, or if God has touched your life through discovering the Jewish Jesus, send us your testimony. We want to rejoice with you, and your testimony will encourage others. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Today's episode concludes the series, Trumpets, Atonement, and Tabernacles. If you've enjoyed this series and would like to purchase a copy, visit our website or call the number on your screen.